Hello and a warm welcome to the Renewal Nuggets. I'm Dr. Yuana Popa from Team for the Soul, bridging science, psychology, spiritual care, and ancient Christian faith, and bringing renewal conversations with amazing beings and professionals that can help and inspire you, especially if you're a giver, to help you regenerate on the go, regenerate as you go about your day. And today I have the joy to talk with Nancy Sowell, who's a licensed clinical social worker, and she was my internal family system trainer when I did my level one many years back. And she is such a wonderful human being and a wonderful and amazing professional. And she's an internal family system trainer, consultant, she's a therapist, and she's a teaching associate at Harvard Medical School in the Department of Psychiatry at the Cambridge Health Alliance, when she has been a, a clinical supervisor for many, many years. And Nancy has many trainings and in many therapeutical schools, and including hypnosis, biofeedback, EMDR, of course, internal family system, and also meditation. And what's really exciting is that she's specializing in behavioral medicine and mental health interventions for pain and health problems. And she co-created an IFS, Internal Family System Treatment Protocol and Program for Rheumatoid Arthritis Patients at Brigham and Women Hospital. And it's because of that training that Internal Family System was approved and being part of the National Registry of Evidence-Based Program and Practices in 2015. And with that, I want to welcome Nancy today, and let's dive right in. So welcome, Nancy. I'm so excited to be here. I have so many wonderful memories for since oh, 2014, since you're my trainer in first level internal family systems, and then you help me with consultations and also becoming certified. So I have lots of gratitude and tons of gratitude for you and informing how I practice. So I'm so thankful that you're here. And um, we'll just jump right in. And uh, I know we just chatted a little bit at the beginning of what you're doing and you're, you're sharing that you do lots of trainings, internal family system trainings, and you also have a writing project. So we'll just, let's just jump right in and I'll... We'll... Yeah, well, well, first, th thank you for inviting me to do this, Iwana. It's really nice to see you and to be with you. And we have spent a lot of time together and just talking about so many things so i appreciate the opportunity to see you again you know yes. we're, out of, we're coming out of covid as much as we can and uh, it's just nice to see yes. you again i mean it's, i can't remember how long it's been it's been a few years it's been several years yeah it must have been 2017 or something and i know i i was um was listening to the internal family system cont continuity program I got to to be immersed in your program about the body so I feel like I just I saw you not too long ago but <laughs> <laughs> this is the online world right when we just jumped yeah. in and that was such a fantastic program so thank you yeah so tell share a bit about um it, the audience might not know you you know i just try to bring this um mixture of science psychology spiritual care since we met i did some chaplaincy training as well and i finished my master in theological studies so i kind of try to bake everything in and <laughs> find the right the the coolest language that could be I'm, I'm fascinated by bridging different languages in different disciplines and whatnot and i know you're very good at doing that as well so 
what are you been doing? Well, you know, during COVID really changed my life, like mm-hmm. so many people in that I I started hunkering down at home. You know, I, I have a private practice mm-hmm. and I teach. And before COVID hit, we had a plan. Um, when I say we, I mean, there's a lot of international partners in the IFS world. So I teach trainings to professionals in this internal family systems model of therapy. And I was planning to move to Spain because I was training two women in Spain so they could become trainers. And I had been teaching there. I I think I told you I, I taught seven or eight trainings in 2021 there. And so I was planning to just move move there in 2020 to be there for 2021. So I had all these Spanish trainings and international training scheduled. And then COVID hit and everything went online. Wow. So and being in the city was harder. So we I I have a midlife marriage. So we have my house and my husband's house. So we moved to my house, which is on Cape mm-hmm. Cod. This is this office is my home office here. So I started working online, which I'd done some because I was doing a lot of international mm-hmm. therapy with people because I mm-hmm. had international trainings. So it wasn't unfamiliar, but moving back and working only online, not seeing people in person was a real shift. Mm-hmm this not just me but everyone as I'm sure you know Mm -hmm. um so so I'm so I've been at home which is a different at home here in which is rural so I see people online and I've actually cut back a lot it really changed how I looked at my life I don't I think other people might have experienced that some too Mm -hmm. like I wasn't running around so much anymore. I wasn't jumping on airplanes so much anymore. I was home and living a quieter life. Did you but, enjoy that? Uh, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I have, but not, not that much. Not <laughs> since my kids were little and I was, you know, I was at home mm-hmm. before they got old enough for me to go back to work. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I'm here and having a quieter life, which is opening up a little bit. And I, in the middle of my day, during lunch, I can go out and take a walk in nature and then come back refreshed for the afternoon. And I feel like I'm living just a lot closer to nature and maybe a little closer to my own spirit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then I'm, I'm writing, I'm doing some writing about the internal family systems model and, um, and trauma and stress. Okay and the impact on our health. Mm-hmm. So, and that's um, that's a project that I've been working on for a while, but was interrupted by all the trainings. So I reserved a lot of time in the next year, mm-hmm. last year and, and now to actually finish that project. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. And what has been, because I know part of your training and expertise is in in uh, bringing the um, somatic experience in a certain sense in the internal family system and how that interfere, inter, interlocks with the health in general. And I know part of the 
training that you did and the research that you did at Harvard, it actually, in you know, Brigham and Women, right, it got internal family system on the map and became evidence-based through internal family system work and rheumatoid arthritis, right? That's right. For someone who might be listening, what from a body perspective, like symptoms, how does stress does express in the body and how someone who might not even know that this connection, how, what are some red flags that they might even think, oh, this might be actually stress as opposed to, oh, I need to check again with the doctors. Obviously we want to do that, but from your experience, what are some nuggets? Well, there's, there's a real connection between trauma and um, kind of an undercurrent of subtle activation of the autonomic nervous system, which is um, the branch that a branch of the autonomic nervous system called the sympathetic nervous system prepares it best known for the fight or flight response. Yes. Yes. And if you've been listening to me on my YouTube, you've heard about the sympathetic (laughs) and fight or flight. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's, there's several things that can happen. So with it and and there's a range it's not you know it's there's a range of um distress Mm -hmm. that happens Mm -hmm. for people and for activation of the nervous system around trauma but when i say trauma i'm using the term broadly because when people think of trauma they usually think of something you know, like a war or being in a mm-hmm. an accident or, you know, like a shock trauma like that. Um, but I think of trauma as being maybe even persistent, unmet developmental needs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that you named that because it's important. Many people, um, even in, in when I work with them, they say, well, nothing really bad happened compared with others, but they've been neglected. So this is really important. Thank you for naming that. Right. And I, I actually think it's pretty universal. I don't think it's unusual. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be like a big event or some or abuse. It can be just sort of persistent um, inattention. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like there's, I mean, part of the way that I got into this field was because I grew up in a family with a single parent who, and, and this was in the sixties and seventies. That's when I grew up. So, you know, tells you a little bit about my age <laughs> and my mother worked at a university so that she, because she couldn't afford to pay for classes and she wanted to finish her degree. So um, she worked at a university and for women at that time, um, the pay was terrible. So we were living on very little money. She didn't have, she, she wasn't, anyway, she didn't have any other income except yeah. her. And, um, and so there was, she had to work. So I was what's called in the U.S. a latchkey kid. I would come, too. Home, <laughs> come home from school the house would not be warm. My mother would not be there. And my sister and I would be there alone and just, you know, having to take care of ourselves. Yes. Yeah. Something about that experience that got me really interested in this topic. Mm-hmm. So at an early age, I developed psoriasis, which is an autoimmune disease that affects the skin. 
Okay. And I was a stressed out little kid because of the situation. I was often worried about my mom who was working so much and just had a lot of worries as a child. And I think that made me just very aware and very sensitive to how that kind of stressful situation um, can cause health problems mm -hmm. and also can just make life hard for kids and also make them believe things that aren't true in, in the internal family systems world, we call them burdens, right? They've been, and those, some of those beliefs can attach to our identity, like things like I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. If I was, if I was good enough, then maybe this wouldn't have happened or that wouldn't have happened, or I would get what I needed or I'd get my needs met or whatever it might be. Or and it's I, my fault and my fault. That's right. Those kinds of things that, or, or, or it could be burdens about the world. Like mm -hmm. uh, the world isn't safe or it's a dangerous place or I'm alone. I have to, I have to, I can't count on anyone. Those kinds of beliefs drive behaviors absolutely that can affect our health thank so. you for naming that and those beliefs in our internal family system their burdens in other ways of thinking could be like mindsets or models of the world or just regular beliefs and we take them for granted but they're really in the back in our subconscious and kind of lead our way right through behavior uh, probably through our mood as well right right it's sort of it's, it's kind of there is sort of injuries because of the lack of something rather than something that happened, something mm -hmm. right. like that. Yeah. Um, and as an adult now, what could people look for that could be some signals that, hey, maybe this might be in the direction of stress or those unmet needs early on? Yeah, I would say if there is sleep it often shows up in sleep disturbance another thing that happens with the kind of injuries that we're talking about burdens that we're talking about is that there can be a tendency to protect ourselves in certain ways sometimes with overwork mm -hmm. to almost be better, you know, just feeling driven to be, for me, it was like the best I can be, and which is some, why COVID felt kind of calmed down that pattern of mine, you know, and, and just got, helped me be a little bit quieter, quieter and not be so driven, not be running around so much, but people can look at, so sleep disturbance is one, overwork is another if if there is a tendency to not ask for help or to assume that help won't be available, if there's any resentment that comes up as you're helping other people and you find yourself doing things because you think you should, but it doesn't quite feel right for you, but you should because the other person needs it. Like for me, that's a signal that I need to pause and sort of assess is this something I really want to be doing? Is it something I can do without resentment? Absolutely. Is it something I'm being asked to do? Does the other person actually want me to do it? Or am I over-functioning? Right. Those, yeah, those kinds of things. Right. Um, or if the other might be asking for it, is it really the right ask? I mean, it, 
the right ask it's always from that person's perspective but is it really the right is it the right thing for me to do is it yeah really for me to do is it right is it am i would i be helping that person by doing it right. and can i do it without hurting my own self yeah so that's the key thing for me mm-hmm. and when i'm working with clients is what you're doing are you sacrificing your needs to take care of someone else because a history like I just of mine that I just described and and people's histories that have some of that in it can train us to actually give to others from a place of I don't know maybe a place that of overwhelm inside of us mm-hmm. you know giving too much in a way that doesn't isn't actually supportive of them it's actually right right? It's actually a habitual process for someone that was trained to take care of other people and not to expect care of themselves. It's almost like being overly responsible for others or, and, and actually not being responsible for, toward our own needs, not taking care of our own needs, because if we're going to be in a giving profession, we want to give from a place of that feels full and not yes. from an empty from a, an empty well in us you know we want we need self care to actually do a good job at what we do absolutely and i'm i'm so glad you mentioned this many many people that might be listening might be christians and i know for christian it's so important you know this idea that we following christ that we want to give 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 but at some point i think you mentioned this and it's so important giving without taking care of our needs it feels giving from empty and yeah. building the resentment in the end is not going to help the other person really. So there's such an important aspect of the fullness. I love how you said it. There's this place of abundance, and then that actually can be quite much a joyful process in giving and helping. Yeah, that's right. There's a way that when we care about people and we want to help them. We just need to make sure that we're doing it in balance. Mm-hmm. It's It really is like any, and even the body, when we're talking about health, it really is like any ecological system. It mm-hmm. needs to be balanced. We need to replenish, yes. just like plants need to replenish, just like animals need to re- replenish. We need to replenish so that we actually have something to give that's not going to hurt us. Absolutely, yeah. right. So, so it's sustainable. It needs to be sustainable. I love the metaphor with the ecological system. Yeah, I mean, we don't think twice about drinking water or eating, right, to sustain ourselves, but it's the same for emotional needs, for right. spiritual needs, for mind needs and whatnot. Absolutely. Right. It's like we have to replenish our own soil in yeah. order to really be, you know, growing a life and being giving in a way that is good for our, us and good for other people. That's it's, it's so so beautiful. It's exactly the metaphor that I'm using with the soil and the <laughs> water and the sun. You know, we need all the nutrients in there. Yeah. And my um, program, uh, I'm having a program, Renewal in Action, where I teach people how to integrate body, mind, heart, and soul. And we kind of just talk about all this. But this is so cool. And I'm curious, Nancy, from a body perspective, right? When there's that level of stress, 
Am I hearing, obviously, the like, sometimes it can lead into autoimmune diseases, right? Yes. Um, well, it, it, if there's toxic stress is basically when we have stress coming at us that is beyond our capacity to deal with and then return to balance. Mm-hmm. So if we've got stress that we're dealing with and we're out of balance, then that can create a lot of inflammation, basically. I see. Right. Right. That that creates an environment that is prone to inflammation. And this this is not woo-woo-woo. This is science. Of course. course. Because the autonomic nervous system, when we're stressed, we move into fight or flight. Fight or flight activates us for fighting or fleeing. I mean, it evolved for us to deal with you know, life in the wild and predators and exactly right. all of that. And now our stress is mostly social and, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the West, at least, and in certain cultures, it's primarily social, but that still activates the autonomic nervous system. So it gets the heart rate up. It gets our, our system ready to, to fight. It activates um, the cardiac system, it activates our respite, increases our heart rate, our blood pressure, our respiration, right. cortisol, it, hormones, all of that. And it, they right. impact the immune system. Absolutely. Right. And so we're exposed to a lot of toxic um, stress hormones if it's mm-hmm. chronic. And then the system learns to turn on more readily and to not as readily turn off. So there can be this kind of underlying activation right that that kind of activation can cause inflammation i think that that's a real link between early adversity Mm -hmm. and the higher incidence of um non-communicable diseases that that most people now in in our culture are dying from they're not infectious diseases like the inflammation like your inflammation which you're talking about autoimmune disease cardiac system yeah and i've noticed many times people when they go to the doctor they say they have a system of course it's a symptom you want to go to the primary care first to check it out but then when they hear maybe oh this is stress or maybe there's something in your i don't know how it's explained but many times people feel really ashamed like what am I doing this to myself? Like, what would you say to these people? Like, if there is such a strong connection between the emotions and the nervous system and the actually physical body, not to feel bad, right? Because it's not really it's like they're doing it on purpose. But what would you say? I, what I say is that there there is no blame here and that it's not their fault. You know, the, like I, my take on this mm-hmm. is that our lifestyle is out of balance, that there is a, often with most people, like we we are pressured to work more hours than I think is actually optimal for people. Mm-hmm. And there is this kind of persistent s- stress to like, I look, look younger than we are to have our, to just, have, I mean, there's accomplished, just accomplished to get all to those accomplished to be doing, to be, you know, to always be producing. I mean, that's- And always be busy, right? That's kind of like a a, a great thing. Oh, I'm really busy. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, that was, for me, it was the beauty of the COVID pandemic 
is that I got a taste of stopping that. And I really believe that that is not healthy for anyone, but we're fed that through advertisements, through, you know, other people and aren't just the culture. It's one of, um, you know, pretty fast paced and accomplishment and all of that. So there's that. I would, I, I say something about that to people that how you're living is hard. Um, I also say that if there is a tendency toward um, imbalance that you learned early on, like I did, mm-hmm. that that's not your fault. That it That is actually, it was a wise decision back there and then. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, well, you and I, latchkey kids, we were, we're carrying, we're doing more than is probably developmentally optimal for us at a young age, but that's what the circumstances were. So we had to deal with that. And that in order to do that, in in order to get through that, we had to do that. That was wise. We wouldn't be who we are today had we not done that. But then there, it sets up this pattern of, um, it can set up this pattern of internal stress that continues to drive us And so what I say to people is it's very important to notice when you're carrying that, like if you are, if you worry, if you feel like it's never enough, what you're doing, if you feel tired a lot, but you push through it because you think you have to, Mm -hmm. um, if, yeah. And if you're not replenishing or if you, if you have guilt that isn't, based on having done something wrong, but just, it's sort of like a, a, it's not guilt that's related to um, a feeling, breaking your own principles, for instance. Right, right. It's more like something that about, like you shouldn't feel angry. And if you feel angry with somebody, you should feel guilty about that. That kind of what I think of as defensive Mm -hmm. guilt, protective Mm -hmm. guilt, that sort of, is a lid on feelings underneath that we couldn't feel back there and then in Mm -hmm. time because it would have been too risky. Right. Or we couldn't uh, say what our needs are or exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So like, so yeah, that's a perfect example. Like if you have a need for, um, I don't know, like even rest more rest, but you didn't have the opportunity to do that at a certain point in your life, or maybe now you don't, there can be just this habit of, well, just you're trained to live out of balance basically. And your body bears the burden of that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's that's not sustainable. And it's not someone's fault. Like I, I have had to really get in touch with, um, the drive in me to always be working, to always be producing. Mm -hmm. And this was very common among the rheumatoid arthritis patients that I worked with at the Brigham and Women's Hospital in that research project, Um, mostly women and really feeling very nice people, like nice people, um, not great at expressing their needs, and not great at expressing their upset, mm-hmm. tending to sort of just put a lid on that, 
often in environments where it wouldn't have been helpful to them to do that. Like in, I can use myself as an example. So I told you, you know, single parent family, I learned to not burden my mom. Mom was under a lot of stress. I learned to take care of myself and to be pretty autonomous as a little kid, way beyond my developmental level. So I had to unlearn that. Mm -hmm. I really had to unlearn that to live with more calm, more peace, to be in balance in a more sustainable life. And I, so I have psoriasis that I had since I was a little girl, which is almost completely gone, but I also developed an autoimmune disease from the stress of all of that, which is now gone, which is pretty miraculous to me. Um, But it had to do with really just taking care and over slowly over time, really um, coming back into balance and making decisions to live a sustainable life. And I love connecting with people. I am definitely a giver and I enjoy giving, but I've learned to do it in balance. And so I just want to encourage people to not feel bad about that. It's actually responsible of you to do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that, the response, being responsible. Yeah. yeah. Because in a certain sense, when we keep giving, at some point we can actually become a burden to others in a certain way. Yeah, because it wears on you and there's a way and and, yeah, and it and if there is any resentment, it ends up leaking out or or we just get exhausted and we can't we just we can't do all the things that we're hoping or that we might have committed to doing or we can't do them do them to our best because we're we are tired. We're um, depleted. We don't Mm -hmm. want to be depleted or even thinking that maybe the vocation is not the right one, losing the interest in uh, in whatever the profession or vocation. I've seen that happen to people as well. And also what I think there's another element to it. I don't know if you've encountered this, but I'm sensing there are, there's a um, biological diversity that some people are more prone to express stress through the body and uh-huh. others in other ways. Maybe their emotions are be more intense or... Um, the mind might be act overacting or whatever. I don't know if you've encountered uh, just a curiosity of mine, any diversity that way. There are some people that are more connected well, sure. with their body that way. Yeah. And some people there, there, and I think there's a whole lot of reasons why, I mean, some people are not in touch with their bodies as much. And part of that can be protective that if, um, you felt uncomfortable in your body. Like mm-hmm. I was not really in touch with my body for a while because with, if there is any history of trauma or neglect, we learned to not listen inside to that. We, yeah. That was, yeah, that was me for decades. I just live in my head like, Oh, this is kind of fun and comfortable here. Like, do I have emotions? Like, no, I don't. I'm fine. <laughs> Absolutely. Or, or body sensation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we can actually just not. And if, if there is any pain, whether it's emotional pain or physical pain, there can be a tendency to avoid it mm-hmm. because if you're mm-hmm. living in a body that has pain. You don't want to be in touch with that. 
Yeah. I'm so glad that you're bringing and sharing about this because I don't think that this is commonly talked about. And many people who might be experiencing this, that for example, not being aware of their body or their emotions and whatnot, they might think there's something wrong with me because no one talks about this. No one puts it on a Facebook or, you know what I mean? Like the image is in a certain way, but it's, it's comforting to know if you're a listener that if you experience this, you're not alone. This is more common than we think. Just people don't talk about it in general. Yeah, that's right. So, so thank you for sharing that. Yeah. yeah. What else do you want to talk about? <laughs> well, you started a little bit to share about um, how you you getting into a giving profession. Like, when would the light bulb went for you? Like, this is what I want to do because you're such a talented human being. You could do many, many things in this world, and and you're choosing to help people in this way, in giving and and training professionals to give and be resourceful and skillful and taking care of themselves and whatnot. So yeah, what was that like for you to to think through this and decide? It's interesting. I tried a lot of different things. And it's funny because I think in my heart of hearts, I always knew that this was my path. Mm -hmm. It was what I was most drawn to. Um, yeah. And I mean, I, I tried to make a decision from my head rather than from my heart. It's funny. Cause so I, I did, um, I was a teacher for a while. Okay. Yeah. I forgot about this. What were you teaching? Yeah, I was, I studied early childhood education. I was really fascinated with little kids and it really helps me now to, you know, just understanding their development and their needs and, when I work with adults now, um, it really helps to know what their history is. And it helps Beautiful. To work with some of the old injuries that are still hanging around that affect their lives today. Mm-hmm. Um, but I worked with little kids and then I, I got really interested in their parents and what it was like for them as parents. And there's a lot comes up for people when they, and I was working with young children. So people with young children are going through an adjustment and it's hard. It's, you know, it's one of the hardest jobs in the world. Yes. Uh, Yeah. So I got really interested in that. And then I, I had my own children and I really was considering, you know, what did I want to be doing? And I was, I was teaching, um, but I was also doing all kinds of things. I was beekeeping. I was gardening. I was, um, I took a carpentry apprenticeship. I was doing oh, all that's that. so cool. Beekeeping, is that what you said? Yeah, I got into um, environmental education uh-huh. with young children because I'm, you know, I've always been into nature. Um, but I think it was my own healing process. I had a little um, turning point in my life and I decided to go talk to somebody and I loved the process. And I think I always knew that it was something that I was most interested in. I'm, I was never great at small talk. I always got, was really curious about people and what made them tick and what they, yes. really were, what they, were they really feeling? What were they really thinking? Why were they feeling that? Um, what did they need? Yeah. I just got really curious about it. 
So then you switched and became a, a therapist and yeah, I decided I actually was working at a research center um, near here, an environmental research and education center near here. And I was hired by a woman that was leaving her job to go become a clinical social worker. And she picked me for her job because <laughs> I think I had the air of a clinical social worker. <laughs> and then you followed the path. And you followed her. <laughs> that is so cool. And how yeah. did you discover internal family system? I don't think I've uh, ever asked you about that. Oh, I had been, I did this fellowship at the Cambridge Health Alliance in the psychiatry department for um, licensed professionals in behavioral medicine, which is that interface right. of, of what's going on in the body um, and what's going on in the mind, you know, and, and just the, the whole, our mind happens in our body, our emotions are in our body. When we're in touch with our body, we can feel that, mm -hmm. uh, which I wasn't at the time. I had to learn that. I did this fellowship and I was really happy, had done a lot of training. I was, I was a well-established therapist at the time. I wasn't early in my career. And then I, I went to this talk that Dick did. It was through the um, organization in Boston, a trauma organization. And I was just really impressed. And so I decided I really wanted to hear more. And he was, um, for a week, he was at the Cape Cod Institute. And oh, so yes. I was and I, I thought, okay, I'll do it for, it was like a half a day, five days for five days. I'll do it for, you know, five days. But boy, I got really, it just spoke to me. It made so much sense to me that I decided to, um, I was not planning to do the training. I, I immediately started doing everything IFS. <laughs> I, there was an annual retreat. I went to that. There was a um, a group at Kripalu, I went to that. And then I, I got into a training and was doing that. Yeah. And then I went boom, boom, boom through the whole process. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so beautiful. I'm so glad you did. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. It Good. changed my life. It changed yes. my life. Yes. It changed my, my career path. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It changed mine too. Yeah. It has done that for lots of people. There's a lot of it happening all around the world now. Right, right. Oh, this is so beautiful. And you mentioned the balance and the importance of that, right? As a giver, how to connect. Any nuggets of wisdom to share about how you, what your daily routine looks like? You know, one of the things that I am really strong supporter, and it was interesting to read um, about, I don't know if you came across this book, I've been mentioning this because I just love it, Building a Second Brain by Tiago Forte, who is is talking about how to organize our online world in a, such a way that we can keep track in all this explosion online. But anyway, he's the first one and I read to make the distinguish, which is so obvious afterwards, between projects and life areas. Like renewal and regeneration is not a project. And how many of us we're just been waiting for the weekend or vacation or let's go to a retreat versus no, we're doing renewal and regeneration every day. Hey. There's a daily yeah. rhythm, not just yeah. for the body, but for emotions, for the mind, for the spirit, for soul. So I'm curious, how do you apply all this? And is there any nuggets from your experience? What has worked for you? Um, I mean, what just Concretely, what works for me is I, I need to move my body every day. I need to get out in nature every day, rain or shine. I want to, I want to touch, touch the day. 
You know, I want to see what's it feel like out there. I want to feel the wind on my face. If it's raining, I want to feel the rain. I want to, I want to feel connected to what's happening. And that's, that's specific to me. It's probably not for everybody, but I do need to move my body every day. And, And I can't sit forever either. I can, I mean, my body doesn't hurt if, if I do, but I think if I did, it would. So I stand up, I move around, I, I walk around mm-hmm. and I, I really, I read something that inspires me every day. First thing I do in the morning is I, op- you know, I open up something that I want to read that is going to help me get in touch with myself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right, and inspire me. And the next thing I do, your soul, your spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like to see what it's what's going on outside in the weather, I mean, and I get out, I get outside and I have around where I live, there's a lot of conservation land. And and I find wherever I go, I find some place to walk. So I'm a walker. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I I love walking and it just maintains my mental health and also it's just really good for my body. And uh, yeah, it just keeps me really fit. So I feel good with that. And um, and I like to connect with some people every day, like really connect with people every day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I want to know how they are, really are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know? yeah. How are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I also need people in my life that know how I really am, that I can talk to. And I, and it's not a lot of people. I know a lot of people. I have a lot of acquaintances and I have sort of different types of friends. Mm-hmm. I have historic friends from way back. And I have friends that I can talk to about anything, you know, that are in my life almost daily. People I might walk with or um, and I don't expect my husband to be the one to meet all my needs. I think it takes a village. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. And yeah, and I, I like having a community mm-hmm. and a spiritual practice mm-hmm. that uh, is right for me. And I like to feed my body kind of simple, healthy foods. Mm-hmm. And if I'm If I'm inclined to do something... I don't expect myself to be perfect. So let me say that. That is like yes. really important. So if I'm tired and I want to take a day off from my walk, I do that. But like walking for me is a pleasure. It's not for everybody. Right, right. So, but I don't, I'm really gentle with myself. I don't have this have to list. Mm-hmm. I have like I do my schedule and my self-care is around the things that I like doing. And if it's really cold out or it's really raw out there and I don't want to do that, then I'll do, it has to be fun. Like I'll put on music and dance in the house and my husband and I will dance around and, you know, or something, something that's enjoyable. Otherwise it's not sustainable for me. Mm-hmm. That's so beautiful. I'm hearing a couple of things. One that you're listening to yourself all the time. Like even the, the realization that you walking is really good for you and enjoyable. It takes a, a, some attention 
to, it's not like reading in a book, okay, you got to do this, this, this. You're like, no, I've tried different things. This is my thing and this it's my really thing. sustainable and it's working. And I love the other thing that you're saying that, uh, which is a great kind of wisdom nugget, right? The heart, link it with joy and it's okay to change it, not have the highest standards. Like, oh, it has to be perfect. And every day I have to do this for 20 minutes as opposed right, to- Right, it's not like that. Keep, keep the joy, keep the link and be flexible if it's not- perfect it's okay I really like that that sense of flow and listening and listen to your body if your body's tired Mm -hmm. rest if I I think one of the hardest things in our culture is how sleep deprived so many people are Mm -hmm. it's really shocking to me and it makes such a difference in mood our capacity Mm -hmm. to think our ability to function, to feel positively about the things that we're doing. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I really like to ask people, how's your sleep? And I think sleep, it's such a blessing. <laughs> when we have a good night's sleep, oh, it's so yes. wonderful. It you, can feel, you can feel so rejuvenated with a good night's sleep. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the things I really talk to people about and I really pay attention to. Mm-hmm. To be aware and pay attention and really nurture that good night. Yeah. 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 And I, I have like all kinds of personal things I could attach to that. You know, like if I, when I get sleepy, which is usually pretty early, you know, relatively early, like maybe 9.30 or 10. If I push through that and I go to bed, too late and I get kind of a second wind, it's really hard for me to fall asleep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I go when I'm tired and it's, I have such a better sleep. And so I pay attention to things like that. Maybe. Uh, yes. Yeah. I, I didn't always, I just, I didn't even make the connection between mm-hmm. what I was doing and how I was feeling or what was going on emotionally or how much I moved my body. But I really noticed that now. Mm-hmm. that's wonderful and any tips for how to check on an emotional health and get the temperature of emotion so to speak any particular ways that you might uh, encourage people i would say take some time every day to slow down and just tune inside to yourself mm-hmm and it, and it might be a different way for, for different people. For me, it's really just asking myself, like, how am I today? Like, really, how am I today? Is there anything that's weighing on me? Mm. You know, like, how am I? And I, I ask my clients that. I really want to know. And we take some time. And they take some time to really listen to themselves, mm-hmm. to notice if they feel cranky or frustrated or sad or whatever it is so I would say slow down and and take your own emotional temperature mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and usually something pops up eventually right with with consistent attention and uh, compassion and persistence yeah I think so I mean it, it does for me but maybe yeah, if somebody's not used to doing that, it might take a little time and maybe a little patience to just listen inside. Mm-hmm. And be okay if no answer comes up. And be okay with that. Yeah. And be patient and kind 
to whatever you find there, even if it's sort of, there are periods where we feel not much. We feel almost shut down. And I would say, then that's what your temperature is that day. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. And you just maybe get curious about it and just keep listening and noticing like how long has this been going on and i don't know just start to notice things right yeah sometimes there's no thermometer in the area and (laughs) that's the temperature yeah it's cool oh thank you for that there's lots of wisdom and any other nuggets of wisdom before we uh we wrap up today for someone who might be a giver and they love to give and how to if there anything else, if not, you already shared so much, so no pressure. I would say, I mean, I think probably my key message is just be kind to yourself. Mm. And there isn't any hard and fast rule or how to or anything. It really is being attuned to where you are mm. and really trusting what you hear from yourself. Like if you feel tired, trust that. Don't think it's a problem. Mm-hmm. If you feel um, upset about something, listen to what's going on inside and be kind, which doesn't mean you let that run the show. That's right. not what I'm saying. It means that there's a message for you in it, mm-hmm. that there might be some there might be an underlying feeling you're avoiding setting a limit or asking for help or whatever it might be. Um, Don't hurt yourself by giving more than is sustainable for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Keep yourself in balance so that you can do it for the long haul. Yeah. Right. And, and trust that other people have what they need. Mm -hmm. Like, like trust that other people have their source inside, mm-hmm. whatever that is for them. Mm-hmm. You are not there. You're you're not going to save them. You want to trust that they have what they need inside, and you're going to help them to connect with that. Yeah, have confidence in people. That's so beautiful. Absolutely. Wow. Thank you so much, Nancy. This has been so wonderful and. What a joy and lots of uh, lots of beautiful gems of wisdom. Um, so it's been nice to see you and talk to you. Thank you again so much. Thank you again, Nancy, for being today and bringing all your wisdom, all your nuggets of wisdom for so many years of professional experience and from your life as well. And if you've been listening to this, I hope that you really got some insights and I encourage you to type in the chat with any questions or comments that you might have and may you be continue to be renewed and regenerated every day on the go so that you can continue to do and give for the betterment of humanity so thank you so much for all you do and until next time I say goodbye for now